When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I loathe myself. And I'm Av Sinensky, and I'm stuck on this podcast with Alex Chester. Welcome back to Pretty Good Friends, a friends podcast between pretty good friends. We are here today to discuss season one, episode seven, the one with the blackout, which originally aired on November 3rd, 1994. Uh, They had no electricity today. We had no food and water, but now we are satiated once again. Yes, at least we had electricity because who could live without electricity? Yeah, my uh, my wife went to sleep without even eating tonight, which uh, shows her deep love of sleep because she does love food. But <laughs> Well, she wasn't allowed to sleep for 25 hours. So, you know, that's not true. Yeah, she spent uh, almost the entirety of the day in bed. Um, she got out of bed to what we went to see a movie. <laughs> that's the only time she left bed, I think. Um, she worked for a couple hours, but she did so uh, mostly from bed, I think, which is uh, the best place to work if you can. Uh, Isn't she a doctor? Yeah, but she was just she had to do calls and stuff. Ah, uh-huh. yeah, consults okay. and yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Oh, let me ask you a question. So I was uh, sort of uh, peeking over the corner of her uh, her TikToking um a few days ago, and there's all these like sort of themed videos on TikTok of like 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, and it's like the same person with like different clothing and hair and makeup and music and like background video. To sort of represent each decade, you know what I mean? Okay, I haven't seen that, but okay. And but you can, yeah. And and I, I just and I think that every decade from the 20th century, 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, for each one of those, when I say that decade, I think in your head you have a certain image in mind, and you're probably pretty close, right? Uh, terms, yeah, yeah. In terms of the clothing style, the hairstyle, right? Yeah. For the 2000s and the 2010s, I really have none. And I watch those videos. I'm like, those just look like generic people. Well, because that's because that's sus. <laughs> sure, I get that. But even like the 2000s did not like the 90s was us, but like a very right. recognizable us. <laughs> like very um, bright, Saved by the Bell clothes. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the different versions of this have different versions of it. But yeah, so is, is that just like you're you're too in it to 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 appreciate it? And and I will appreciate the the 2000s and the 2010s in the future. I think that's the most likely result. I mean, I guess it's possible that we'll look back and it'll be like, oh, you know, the 2000s and 2010s were just kind of generic, but uh, that doesn't yeah, really know. seem likely. Well, when I made this comment to Jen, she looked at me with shock. She's like, the eyeliner and the eyeliner, and she just made all these like makeup references, which I guess was over oh, my head. okay. So maybe there you go. Maybe we're, it's just, uh, it's lost on us, but it's obvious to those that are in there now. I guess so, but she was just talking about the makeup, not like the all the other the fashion, know, like, the clothes, yeah, yeah, and the music. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, they're just wearing like normal jeans and shirts. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I think like in the '90s, we were aware we were doing things, even though we were doing them, right? Um, like I can't like, tell like, you. Yeah, like I remember, like like the suits with the four or five buttons. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, uh, a lot yeah, of vests, the, a lot of vests. The, the yeah. junko pat, the junko pants. Um, like everything very, very baggy, extreme bagginess. Um, the, I mean, the- there were definitely things that were were we knew that they were trendy at the time, but like yeah. we didn't know that they weren't going to like last permanent. And, like, and, no, well, nothing, not all st- like modes of dress, not that it permanent. wouldn't become permanent, it just like it doesn't feel dated when it's new and trendy by definition. Yeah, but but even like like I tend to wear like skinnier jeans now. I remember a time that skinnier jeans were a thing, and I remember thinking they are a thing. I guess, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, this show was very much in the '90s for sure. Yeah, um, this was a very uh, '90s kind of Thursday night, um, known as Blackout Thursday. Um, mm. We talked so about tell this me, a little bit earlier. What else did we have on NBC that night? Um, we had four episodes of TV on NBC last that night. We had Mad About You. We had Friends. We had Seinfeld. 
And then we had, I can't even remember the name of the last show because it's a show that no one's ever heard of. It was <laughs> Madman of the People was the 9.30 slot. And three out of the four, Seinfeld being the exception, had Blackout-themed episodes. The Blackout in New York City was started at the end of season three, episode six of Mad About You. So unfortunately never covered on Renap and never will be covered on Renap. <laughs> um, we're at the very end, uh, Helen Hunt's character, Jamie Buckman, causes a citywide blackout that would then continue into the friends episode that we're about to discuss and then skip right over seinfeld an episode called the gymnast where um george probably wishes there was a little bit of a blackout because then he wouldn't have been able to be spotted retrieving the eclair from the garbage um, and jerry also probably wishes because it would have given more opportunities uh, in bed with the gymnast although as it turns out a little bit of a letdown yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting the impact that this episode kind of had on the ratings. We've been marking episode by episode the first six. We've seen a basically a a continuous decline from episode one down to episode two, three, four, five, six. And this is the episode where it'll jump back up, presumably because of this you know Thursday night event, right? Like it wasn't it was you know it happens to be that this ends up being what's a pretty iconic episode of Friends. But like, it's not like ahead of time people be like, oh, we got to tune in tonight because it's the blackout friend, episode of Friends, right? What was the ratings for Mad About You in this era compared to Friends? Oh, um, that's a good question. Um, I'm just like, what, it was it so much bigger? Because essentially what this is, is a more explicit lead in for Mad About You. Already, you know, it was following Mad About You every week. But this week was even a more explicit connection. Yeah, although I would say it probably is even more of a bump than just like the mad about you leading. Like they made this like an yes, event. Like yes. they want everyone to like stick in. Oh, for the there's whole people night. who don't usually watch Mad About You who are also watching for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see. So we're in season three of Mad About You. Okay. This is, I don't understand how to read this chart. Let's find something that has just like numbers in it. Um, that would be helpful for me. Yeah. Oh, and how much advertising ahead of time did NBC do about Blackout Thursday? That's a good question. I don't know. I wonder if there's any Blackout Thursday promotion. Oh. Let's see if we could find that. Yeah. And and Blackout Seinfeld does have so much potential, but uh, yeah, they weren't interested. Right. I think um, I think our friend Amir said uh, if Seinfeld did a Blackout episode, right? Kramer starts a flashlight business. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is this it? Okay, so here we got an NBC Blackout Thursday promo. Thursday, the lights go out on NBC. It's Blackout Thursday. Blackout. It's comedy in the dark. Blackout. Starting with Mad About You. And you'll never believe how this whole thing starts. Oops. And lights out on Friends when Chandler's trapped with a famous supermodel. All right. And the Mad Men spends the Blackout busted for looting. You're sitting on my dollar. The Mad right. Men, of course. Now, it's interesting. They show Jerry Seinfeld uh -huh. doing a blackout promo. Yes, but uh, they did not participate. But not the actual blackout show. Yeah. Um, what were Amir's other ideas? I think George uses the lack of light as a way to pick up better looking women. Um, they can't see. They're out of my league. <laughs> yes, I think that's what he said. Yeah, yeah good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I, can't, I can't find the uh, Mad About You ratings. Um, oh, wait. Here they are. Okay. Um just as I was about to give up. All right, so season three, episode six got 24.5 million, which is a jump of about four million and a half from the previous episode. So it was like a steady low 20s and it jumped three so or four it was, million. It was a little bit above Friends, but pretty close to Friends. Um, yeah, Friends was 23.1. So it was above Friends. Um, previously, we had been like, we had dropped below 20, 20. to like 19, yeah. like 18.9. And then... Yeah. It would basically now stay above 20 million every episode through like somewhere in season five. Are so, we talking about friends now or friends? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So like it would never really turn back from here. Um, there's obviously episodes where it goes even higher and, you know, it's so episodes five and six of season one are the low point for the show in terms of ratings um, until like season five and season five. I saw again, it dropped below once or twice. And then, you know, I didn't really continue. All right. Let's I want to, I wanted to, see, I wanted to see yeah. if, you know, if this is, that, that was what I wanted to see, whether it ever dipped below 20 million and yeah. it did in season five. So I, I would like to see the correlation between episode ratings and, um, like rankings of episode and ratings of episodes. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because I, I literally I was looking ahead and when I saw when I was looking at the ra the ratings a few weeks ago, I saw oh wow, the, like the blackout like got such a like a a huge bump and I'm like that's like it doesn't even make sense. Like why how did people randomly tune in for like this like excellent episode? Um and cuz I didn't know about this blackout 
thing until uh until like last week when I started looking into this episode more. So I didn't uh really pick up on that but um it's just kind of a weird timing i guess it sometimes works out um this is also matthew perry's favorite episode of friends according to an article that i saw oh because he was locked in a vestibule with a with a supermodel the whole time and this is the only episode for which david schwimmer was nominated for an emmy in the series i think this is a this is great david schwimmer in this episode okay yeah we got to separate the ross from the david schwimmer that's true yeah okay with that i think we could uh jump in It was the week of Blackout Thursday. It was also the week where Michael Jordan had his jersey lifted to the rafters um, in Chicago, which, uh, you know, would certainly make nobody look foolish over the next 10 years. Um, Written by Jeff Astroff and Mike Sikowitz, directed by James Burroughs once again. He's uh, really been cleaning up here. I think he's uh, directed six of our first seven episodes. Um, And, yeah, we start out in Central Perk. Where else? And for the first time in the series, we see Phoebe in the spotlight about to be introduced to play a show on her guitar at the coffee house. And right as she starts introducing her song, which is going to be about the moment when you realize what life is really all about, and she strums her first chord, the lights go out, Mm. um, as caused by uh, Helen Hunt, as we said. Yeah. We then cut over to Chandler. and we Sucks when you're always about to, you know, hear those magical words. Right. Yes. Jacob dying with his sons, according to the uh, uh, biblical Midrash. Uh, Elaine and Jerry on the plane. I've always loved you, United Airlines. And, <laughs> yes, uh, and now here. Yes. The meaning and of then, life. Uh, the very similarly, Chandler, as he's about to exit the ATM vestibule. Um, How do you pronounce that? Vestibule. Vestibule. Oh, what did I say? Uh, I, yeah, I, I said it wrong the first time. For a yeah, second, yeah. it sounded like vegetable. And I was going to be like, <laughs> I know there's a debate about what it is, but a vegetable it ain't. <laughs> I'm stuck in an ATM vegetable. Yeah. Um, and he's pissed to be locked in until he turns around and sees a beautiful woman. Mm. Um, now the question is, why is there the light on? Like, why is he able to like even like it should be like completely pitch black that like he could be, like he could he sees her way too well. I think. Yes. Yes. It is a very well lit vestibule, unlike their apartment where they need you know to have. Um, hundreds of candles, candles yeah yes. yeah they did not we'll get to that but i yeah I, I have lots of notes about how they're they use their candle supply way too fast by like yes. making like lighting up the, i guess they didn't realize how long it was going to last yeah but you never you never know and that's why you got to be a little more conservative yeah, I think, yeah, in you your did. conservation exactly. yeah i mean i'll just say in general you know rachel thinks the blackout is so cool um all of manhattan a blackout it, it could be a little bit terrifying right yeah, so this did happen uh, famously a couple times. Um, most recently in around 2003, which I recall. I remember. Um, it was very I was, hot. It was the summer. Yes, it was the unpleasant. summer. Yeah, I was in the city at the time. Um, then in the, I think in the in the late the late 70s was there was a very a, famous. Very well, that famous. One, yes. That oh, was like that. the entire Northeast, I think, not just yeah. New York City. Oh no, sorry. The 2003 was the entire Northeast. 1977 was just in New York City, and yeah, it led to lots of uh, looting and violence. Yeah. Now here's uh, it also the, lasted for like several days, I believe. Yeah. Here's one of the questions that I was wondering about the blackout that I hadn't really ever thought of previously about Friends, yeah. which is we never find out exactly what floor of the building they live on, right? Um, I I think that there's this is like debated widely on the internet. Mm. Um, I know that the number of their apartment changes. Um, mm-hmm. it's one number and for sure in the pilot and maybe even a few subsequent episodes, and then it changes over the years. And then yeah, we, I think we do see the numbers at other apartments in the building. So people have deduced from that probably likely what. So let, let's on. talk about how big this building is. Okay, so this building is a walk up, right? We see the stairs, but we never see an elevator. There's uh, we, never. There's yeah. never a reference in an elevator. Nobody's ever going on the elevator, right? Yeah. Walk-ups are, uh, are usually... What are you studying at? You look like you're uh, looking intently at something on your screen. Yeah, no. So the, it looks like mo- the consensus is that they're on the third floor. Third floor of a building with probably, uh, what, four floors, five floors max? Pretty, yeah, five, maybe five. Um, yeah. Yeah, it says they're in apartment number six. Chandler and Joey are in apartment number four. Uh, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, unless I think there, there's a five down the hall or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't. the The size of the two apartments is obviously, you know, ridiculous. So we just have to dismiss that. The size of the hallway. Oh, okay. Sorry. So yeah. department is number five for the first part of the series. After how after after being pointed out that it's situated too high to have such a small number, it's renumbered to twenty. Twenty. Yeah. See, it's not a big enough building to have twenty units. 
Yeah, the, although like then it would have an elevator, and it doesn't. But like the it. whole thing where they're like, they're like looking at um, Stephanopoulos. Yeah, like you have to be pretty high up for that. Like you're not like looking at somebody from like the second floor, right? Yeah. The point is, this is clearly written um, by people sitting, in, you know, in Los Angeles <laughs> uh, on a set and not yeah. uh, in New York City in a building. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. All right. Should we stop watching the show? This doesn't make yeah. sense. No, that's not bad. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah. So Monica calls her mom. Um, find out powers out in all of Manhattan, most of Brooklyn and some of Queens. Um, Phoebe wants to call her mom, her grandmother, but she realizes that she doesn't know her own number because she never calls herself, which obviously makes no sense. Like, I don't even know what that means. This, this is like such an idiot. Like even like, I, I can't even with this joke. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So don't even <laughs> like, like what, what is even like the, the, the premise here? Uh, can we go back to the vestibule for a second? <laughs> okay. Jill Goodacre. I've seen this episode many, many, many times. Until this most recent time this week, I had never realized that this was a real person. Same. Okay, good. Um, by the way, the first person to play themselves on the show. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although she's credited as Gil Gonick. Yes. So she Connick, that was, Connick, was, sorry, your wife is she, she's married to Harry Connick Jr. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so why was, isn't she Gil Connick Jr. then? So she should be a junior also. Because there's Well, that his last name is Connick Jr. Well, isn't Connick his last name and junior part of his first name? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Did I move around a joke? Um, yeah. So I, 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 my memory of the episode is Chandler's just st- stuck in a vestibule with some really hot girl, but she's not just uh, who's playing a famous person, but right. she actually is a famous person. Right. Um, playing herself. But, yeah. Goodacre was a primary lingerie and hosiery model. Hosiery. Very sexy word for the relatively new Victoria's Secret company in its mail order catalogs and retail stores in the 1980s. And she appeared extensively in the catalogs. Goodacre, Stephanie Seymour, and Dutch model Frederic helped Victoria's Secret grow from a new company to, to one of the world's giants in women's lingerie, hosiery, swimwear, and clothing. Of those three, I think Stephanie Seymour is by far the most famous, and Frederic is second. I had never heard of Goodacre at all. Yeah. So yeah. It seems like it's just a little bit before our time. Yeah. Um, so should we track people who play themselves regardless of fame? Because I feel like there won't be that many. Yeah. Well, um, not not nearly as many as uh, you know Curb obviously, but yeah, I think we should track that. Yeah. Okay. So, so Jill Goodacre is our first one here in episode one seven. Okay, so on our cameo yeah. spreadsheet, we're going to say played themselves. In fact, I would say for right now because she's the played, only one. Played. Yeah. Jill Jill Goodacre Club. Well, they're both Jill Goodacre clubs. There's two Jill Goodacre clubs. Someone who is as famous as she was, and someone who is <laughs> as unfamous as she was. Um, no, this is going to get too confusing, okay. but I, th- I thought this was, al- isn't that already the Tom Selleck club or oh, that's just for, that's for people who play characters. Yeah. I don't even know. Anymore. Um, okay. Fine. Um, all right. So I'm just going to put in Jill Goodacre and we'll just put her name down. Just for we'll call. put her name down just so we don't forget about her. Right and her we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out later. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, but, but it's going to be the Tom Selleck club in general. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, I think we could just we could just have her, but she's just not in the Tom Selleck club. Yeah. Let's let let's when you're one person, you're not a club. Let's get someone That's else. Fine. In okay. There. Fine. Let's, let's get in there. Yeah. Club. Maybe. Yeah. 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 I think I think there actually is one coming up. Um. Although I guess we'll have to examine that one more closely. Um. Okay. Um. So yeah. So joey walks in he's got a menorah in his hands he's introduced mm-hmm. by ross as rabbi tribbiani and we find out that chandler's roommate before joey was jewish so this was like a complete jew fest on this floor until uh um until the italian and oh, i guess rachel is jewish too so it's it's still a jew fest on this floor yeah and and when um and when joey moves out chandler's new roommate um eddie will also be very jewish <laughs> yeah so yeah this is you know, at least uh, adam adam goldberg is very jewish i don't know do we know if eddie's jewish i'm not sure yeah i guess it's probably not uh established um all right what do you got to say about this menorah i'm sure this uh this is all you've been thinking about all week <laughs> 
Uh, it seems like a very traditional menorah. I mean, people don't usually have one that traditional, I would say. But oh no, it's uh, it's not really clear what this is. It's it has only seven uh, candles. Oh, it, yeah, I didn't even count. I just saw the shape. It only yeah, has no, seven. It has seven. Yeah. So oh, it's, yeah. So oh, it, so it's not even. So it is a menorah. It is really. It is literally a menorah. It is not a Hanukkah, which is right. what most people are referring to when they say menorah. That's right. Yeah. The the menorah that we use uh, traditionally on Hanukkah has eight candles. Well, nine. Um, nine really, but right. Um, the one that was uh, historically believed to be in the temple had seven in mm-hmm. Jewish uh, liturgy and history, um, yeah. but like nobody would really and, have and that. On the Ar- and on the Arch of Titus. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not really something that anyone really would really have in their house. Um, yeah. Although synagogues will often have depictions. Of right. It somewhere. Right. But yes. It is a strange item to own. Yeah. Um, Phoebe spots ugly naked guy. He seems to have lit a bunch of candles as well. They all look horrified, grossed out, and mm. then they flinch in pain. So it's wax, I assume, on genitals. Uh, well, here? wax on something. I guess genitals is the most likely place for it to be uh, to induce that reaction. Yeah, yeah. Ch- ch- uh, yeah Monica especially sort of reaches for her crotch, which yeah. is uh, so. Yes. So this is our uh, third ugly naked guy appearance. Um, certainly the most painful. I don't know if it was the most disgusting. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, sir, from ugly naked guy's perspective, certainly yeah. the worst. Yes. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously bad naked. But I think all the ugly naked guy naked is going to be so far bad naked yes. for the most part. I forgot. By the way, we will see him. We see him. Yeah, we don't see his face, but we see him when, when Ross visits him. Ross goes to visit him. Yes, yeah. I recall. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's our that's our friend. Yeah, that's naked Ross. Yeah. Um. Okay, so yeah, so at the ATM vestibule, it's really just a lot of Chandler's inner monologue, especially at the beginning. Uh, We find out that it takes 14 minutes before he even musters up the courage to give her a smile, which ends up being a very awkward smile. Mm -hmm. Um, She offers him the chance to use her phone. A lot of phones being used during the blackout. Yeah. Although I think I read that it, you would have been able to use a landline even during a blackout because it's like on a different voltage and it's it has backup, so maybe it could have worked. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, you, you didn't you need you didn't plug it into an outlet. Unless, I mean, for a stand for a for for a cordless one, you did. But right. For a standard phone, right. you just plugged it right. into the right. Or if you had like a fancy one, it, you needed to plug it in. Like if it had like you know uh, speed dial and all that sort of stuff. But right, a general phone, it was just. Um, from the yeah i don't even know what it's called the the little uh thing that you squeeze in the jack oh jack right that's called the jack jack yeah probably the jack yeah Yeah. i do love chandler uh just not saying any words to her at all for so long (laughs) yeah although she doesn't say anything either like so like why isn't she weird so okay so i when i when we were in 12th grade i went on a saturday night to a columbia brown basketball game with uh josh berliner and his father yes and and i sat directly next to julia styles who at that time had a movie out that was literally the number one movie in america that year it was like a dancing movie where she like dances with like a um uh there was a young black actor i forget his name saved the last dance something like that yeah i don't and i never even saw it and i and i was like it was literally like josh's dad josh me julia julia's friend which is like sounds made up because I was right next to her and, I, and I'm whispering to Josh like, and I was thinking I didn't have the inner monologue that Chandler has here, but I was talking to my friend and I was like, what do I say? I sort of whisper to him because I was like, I can say, hi, I'm I'm a senior in high school considering this college next year. What do you think about it? Pretend I don't know who she is. Or I can say, oh, I know who you are. But like, I'm not like like a 12 year old girl. I'm like a 17 year old boy. It's like a weird thing. So instead, I said absolutely nothing to her. <laughs> absolutely nothing is usually the yes. way I go. And Josh Berliner's father uh, stepped on her foot as he passed her. Oh, yes yeah so um yeah but i yes but then he eventually he will eventually um gin up the uh the 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 cojones to say something to her after she reaches out to him first um well she gives she offers him the phone she calls and and that's where we get the whole um Mm -hmm. you know him uh trying to explain where he is and uh monica is befuddled joey obviously figures it out immediately and he yeah. even talks back to him in the same language. So, which... so, and what's the question? Um, Joey's mumble back, right? Yeah. Uh, Supposedly... Chandler's response is, yeah, like that thought never entered my mind. <laughs> yeah. So according to TV.com, what Joey said was, see if you can tell what kind of underwear she wears. Oh, okay. So my guess was try and have sex with her. <laughs> so, which actually I think is better than theirs because <laughs> see what kind of underwear she wears. Why would that be the first thought to enter his mind? Now, I guess the idea is, is she actually wearing 
um, Victoria's Secret. But why would Joey care about that? Joey's not like a brand loyalist. If anything, yeah. the girls would care about that. Yeah. I mean, what you have Joey saying is like incredibly rapey. Like, oh, no. I'm stuck. I'm stuck in a. In a in, oh, try to have sex try, with her. Try to hook up with her. Yes, you can hook up with her. <laughs> That's not the obvious thing. Um, yeah, well, you know, why did it might be? It's just, to, like, it's just no a little rapey. That's like, why? Well, because she's you're locked in a place with her, and it's no, dark. Don't it's a blackout. With her, I'm not saying assault her. <laughs> well, you didn't say flirt with her. You said try to have sex with her. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're flirting, that's the ultimate goal. Let's be honest here. Um, all right, yeah. maybe for you. Anyway. Um, speaking of sex, I was um, with his wife. One of these days, back at Monica's, the the gang Sands Chandler is hanging out, and they're doing what the gang does, right? They're just hanging out, talking about sex. That's what they do, and everyone is going around the circle and saying what the strangest place is that they've ever had sex. And Monica tells them that in senior year of college, she did it on a pool table. Joey's strangest place is the women's room on the second floor of the New York Public Library. Mm-hmm. Phoebe's is Milwaukee. And for Ross, it was the It's a Small World ride at Disneyland. Yeah, which doesn't all of these people's not their personalities, what you would think. Yeah, you think Ross would be on the New York Public Library. Well, um, or Milwaukee. Yeah. Rachel tries to get away with not uh, p- participating in this game. But when she gets calls on it, she admits that her strangest place was at the foot of the bed. Yeah. And I'm going to call bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Completely. So everything Rachel says is not at all canon. Um, not even that she's so prude, um, but like she claims never she'll she'll say later in this episode that she never had passion with anyone in her life. Um, and maybe not with Barry, who seems irredeemably bad in every single possible way. <laughs> but we previously learned that her and Tony DeMarco were incredibly passionate in high school. Mm, right. Me. Like um, Monica says that that her sex with Paul, the wine guy was, uh, you know, just like uh, Rachel with Tony McAd- uh, Tony DeMarco, except with feelings. So, yeah. So Rachel claiming she never had any passion is just an excuse to to sort of tempt Ross, which I'm starting to, you know, sort of the running joke of our curb podcast that Jared was always talking about how like purely evil Cheryl was. I'm starting to think that about Rachel here. Like uh, th- there's a lens you can view this show th- by which Rachel is just like tormenting Ross so cruelly and manipulatively in every scene they have together in the laundromat. And in here, especially it's, it's impossible for her to know he doesn't have feelings for her and she could let him down or say no, but instead she's just going to like taunt him and tease him. Um, and obviously he's his own worst enemy because he, you know, his, his inability to, you know, to uh, make any moves or actually say how he feels more explicitly. But um, I think she's being very mean to him. Yeah. So, I mean, there is, I think, just like a lack of continuity here with the Ross and Rachel stuff, because yeah. what you're saying is not really consistent with the speech that we hear Joey give him in a little bit. Right. Like he's Joey basically says, like, dude, this girl has no idea that you're into her. Like, yeah, ju- which makes no sense. Well, but that's what I'm saying. I think the, the show is trying to like just inconsistent, it's, all, yeah. it's just inconsistent. Right. Which I think is just probably like the way a 90s sitcom was where like. It, you, you didn't, it didn't really matter what happened last week. Um, it's really much more like the vibes of what they're trying to do with this Ross and Rachel will they want they than like the inner consistency to it. Um, yeah. But you know, but you're, you're, I agree with you because like I I had the same thought and, and like when Joey says that I'm also like what are you talking about like he like couldn't be making it clearer like he was just like he was like the the cutest little bunny in the world when he like when she like pecked a, a little kiss on him two episodes ago. And like she gives that like smile when he like pretends that his um, laundry room is broken so that he can like go yeah. do laundry with her like yeah so like, and now this episode like nobody has any idea so like it just it doesn't work uh, but whatever um, so yeah they're like uh, they're having this like really deep talk about it and you know Ross like is like very sincere and like telling her that like look you know passion is like great and all that but like at the end of the day like what you really want is like trust and security and in my case lesbianism. Um, but like, you know, in any event, she's like, you know, I see big passion in your life. I don't think this is something that you have to worry about that you're going to have to choose. Like you're going to find something. Um, and, um, this, and that's when Joey, uh, gives him the whole, uh, friend zone speech, which I did not know, but apparently this scene right here is responsible for coining that term. Really? Yeah, everything that I read is consistent. That the friend this, zone comes from the from, TV show Friends from and Joey from Tribbiani. This... Joey Tribbiani coined the term the friend zone. That's nuts. He has a reputation of being an idiot, and he uh, invented a term which is 
And will it be a surprise you to know that uh, many people on the internet find the whole friend zone concept to be problematic, as you uh, might call it. Uh huh. Because it mm-hmm. uh, plays into all sorts of uh, notions and stereotypes and bad things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Seems fine to me. Promise for the person stuck there who's trying to get some. Exactly. That's yeah. the that's the real victim. Yes. Here. Let that poor girl or guy or anyone else, uh, you know. People should be forced to have sex with their friends <laughs> who like them. Why do even they always if, go? Even if they don't. Even if they don't like them. I prefer to live in a world where everyone's uh, gladly giving consent. Um, well, you know, heading it out like Tic Tacs. That's right. Um, yeah, that should be the world that we live in, where it's just no. uh, you know, sex is widespread. Ah, uh, would you like to have sex with me? Of course. There you go. I don't want to put you in the friend zone. <laughs> All right. Uh, we should rename the podcast Pretty Good Sex Partners. Because that's what uh, people who have sex with each other refer to each other as sex partners. Um, so, yeah, back to the uh, ATM. And Chandler, for Chandler, like the friend zone is aspirational here, right? Like he's like nowhere close to the friend zone even. Yeah. Um, he's he giving off, off uh, a little rapey zone. <laughs> she offers him some just gum. extreme social awkwardness. And yes. he rejects it out of hand because yes. it's not sugarless. And th- which is exactly the thing I would do. I'm just, I'm so <laughs> more sympathetic. I could not be. <laughs> yeah. It's like amazing because like he says it and like he immediately regrets it because like he doesn't even care <laughs> if it's sugarless. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think I've said this on, on the podcast that like when people offer me like food yes. or drink in their house, my immediate reaction is always no. And immediately in my head, why did you say no? So, yeah. <laughs> right. And then you can never ask. Right. You said yeah, this exactly. on the uh, I think you should leave uh, episode. Yes. Yes. So, yes, I'm totally a team Chandler here. Um, but, but then he gets the second chance to say that gum would be perfection. Uh, yes. On second thoughts. Yeah. Um, and of course, he immediately regrets that a little bit too perfect. for <laughs> Yeah. And he uh, then he tries to show off how cool he is by he's going to blow a big bubble. And instead, he spits the gum across the room. So he casually picks it up and starts chewing it again. Which only... makes no sense because she saw it happen, which she acknowledged, which is why it was right. so embarrassing. Right. Yeah. You're you're just making matters worse by putting yeah. the gum back in your mouth yeah. now, even if it's yours, even if it's yeah. your own gum. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The, the, it, it makes no sense. And by the way, even if you think she didn't see it, like, why would she care if you're no longer spit, chewing your gum? All right. You wanted the gum and you're, you're done with it. Like, there's no obligation. Like, if I lend someone a piece of gum, I'm like, let me see you chew it for at least 15 minutes to see you really appreciated it. Yeah, well, you, you probably because the the gum now is his in in his head, right? Like that's like so far that's the only thing that they've discussed is the gum. Yeah. So it's like yeah. without the gum, um, yeah. He could do the self-effacing thing that he did with um to get Aurora last week and say, "I was so excited to chew the gum that I uh, spit it out. Can I have another one?" But yeah, yeah. now let that's me beyond ask, his capability. Let point. me ask you something: Am I crazy, or is that a lot of gum on that ATM table? Uh, yes, we're not even talking about the bottom. We're talking about the top surface that he can reach. Yes. Also, we saw the spit, and it went way further than that. His spit. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um. So when he realizes that he has the gum of somebody else in his mouth, he starts choking, and she runs over, does the Heimlich on him, saves his life. So, like, Jill Goodacre is, like, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And... He says that was, and she jumps in with perfection. So, you know, she's she's uh, able to have a good laugh, this lady. Yeah, she's got some game. Yeah. Um, back over at Monica's, Phoebe is serenading everybody with her song about the blackout. Mm. New York City has no power, and the milk is getting sour. But to me, it is not scary because I stay away from dairy. Um, seems the, the patrons of Central Park may have been spared by the blackout, is what we, I think we could collect from <laughs> this scene. Well, we'll pick. We'll discover that many times over the course. Of the show. <laughs> um, we haven't even yet learned about the smelly cat, although we yes. do have a cat in this episode. Yeah. Um, Ross goes out to the balcony finally after lots of coaxing to make his move on Rachel. Uh, Monica's going to go out there, and Joey, to cover for for Ross, uh, pretends that he's out there talking to Rachel about planning her surprise party. Yeah. Um, this makes Phoebe upset because she had no idea about the surprise party. Always she's, the last to know. She's always the last to know about things, just like finding out last that Chandler was bitten by a peacock at the zoo mm. and being the last one to find out that Monica for, had a crush on Joey when he first moved in, mm-hmm. um, which then turns out she was the second to last to know because Joey is only learning that now for the first time. Yeah, which I, Chandler couldn't have known either because Chandler would have told Joey also for um, sure. Yeah, so sounds yeah. like Phoebe was the first to know. Yeah. Um, and 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 Rachel and Rachel would have known because she wasn't there. Yeah, at the time. so sounds like so, Phoebe was literally at worst. She's second behind Ross. Yeah, maybe Ross knew first. Yeah, um, yeah. 
I mean, I'm sure Ross found out during their weekly uh, sex discussion. <laughs> I was going to say yeah. he found who out because sex with? who do you want to have sex with? <laughs> I was going to say because Monica had to break up with him to start dating Joey. <laughs> so yeah, they had to have to talk. Yeah. Um, so let's yeah, talk so, about the candles for a second. Um, we yeah. talked about the uh, the menorah candles. Yeah. How do they have so many candles all over their apartment? Yes, it's a, it's a very good question. Uh, now, I thought about everywhere. this. Yeah. Okay, so we have Shabbat candles and Hanukkah candles and maybe like those tiny birthday candles, right? Right. And I was like, but if you don't have Shabbat or Hanukkah candles, um, you might have the birthday candles. Yard side candles. Yeah. But then I started looking around my house and I realized we have, in fact, within sight right now, I can see three scented candles of various shapes and, and colors because of Jen. And so I guess if this is Monica and Rachel's apartment, then I guess it makes sense. I think I have candles all over the place. But if it was Joey, if it was Joey and Chandler's, there should be no candles. Yeah, well, that's why they're in there, because they got nothing. They got the candles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so out on the balcony, Ross is trying to build up the courage mm-hmm. um, as, he start, as he's starting to say it. Like, he thinks Rachel is understanding because she's, like, acting like, oh, that's so cute. But really, she's reacting to a cat that's about to jump on Ross and attack him. As the folks inside are singing along to Top of the World by the Carpenters and can hear <laughs> Ross screaming on the balcony. Uh, very funny physical comedy here. Really good stuff. Um, once they, you know, bring Ross inside, clean him up, Rachel and Phoebe go searching the building, see if they could find who this cat belongs to. I don't know why they assume that a cat that was outside belongs to somebody. Well, I, I assume because it has around its neck, right? It has its uh, name, doesn't it? That's how um, they know the name. Do they know the name? Yeah, because that when they take it to Mr. Heckles, he doesn't know the name. Well, he says Bob Buttons. Oh, oh no, no, he does. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. So it has a collar with no name, I guess. Yeah, I don't think it has a name. Yeah, I don't think we find out the name. Um, By the way, you, you know, you talked about David Trimmer. I do think that the wrestling through the window, uh, sort of absurdly fake, but the physical comedy is very good. Yeah. 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 A very fake cat as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, ridiculous. Yeah. I want to see um, a real cat beat. <laughs> Yeah, so we would um, we we first so we go you know we, as you said we meet uh, Larry Hankin who we will uh, later know as Mister Heckles. Mm-hmm. Um, he's credited here just as the weird man. So I guess they didn't realize that he was going to be recurring. Um, he's he's of course in like lots of stuff. Um, yeah. He was in Breaking Bad. He was one Usually of the police officers in um, Home Alone. He was in Billy Madison as like the is uh, one of like the executives at uh, Billy Madison's father's company. Um, yeah. And, um, anything else that comes to mind? Uh, no, I think you covered most of the ones. Oh, he's in this thing too. I just, I just watched this thing today. Oh, he's in Seinfeld. He's Tom Pepper in the pilot episode. Oh, he's a fake Kramer. Yeah, 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 of course. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I don't know why we, uh, shame Not, on us. Ah, the, the best fake Kramer. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he's in Curb. So no uh, Maggie, uh, whatever her name is, club. Okay. So yeah. So Bob Buttons uh, doesn't pass the test. Um, Rachel keeps looking. And as the cat has slipped away, she finds him being held by an Italian hunky fellow named Paolo. He does not speak a word of English, but that doesn't leave Rachel any less enamored with him. Um, we hear We hear him talk a few times, all in Italian. Yeah, uh, the first time he says, "Hi guys, I just moved in and I live in the floor below." So Wait, hold on. So we'll where, see where, quite where, a lot where, of you. Where did you get this from? Because I did a deep <laughs> dive. I found the Spanish. Okay, Italian or the Italian. Regate <laughs> yeah. I, like, I found the transcript and I typed this in Google Translates and it okay. did not work. Except for one section worked, but the rest did not. And the which was the last line he says, "Guarda la luna, guarda la stella, guarda." Which yeah. is uh, look, look at the look moon. at the moon, look at the stars. You already have such a beautiful cause. Or you're this, already such a beautiful girl. This says, "Look at everything is so beautiful." Oh, okay. Um, so, all right. So, so what? W- what is the meaning of the regatta sona pina? The first line that he says, "Hi guys, I just moved in and I lived in the floor below." So, I guess we'll see quite a lot of each other. And then, what about the Phoebe? Phoebe, you're gorgeous too. If you're all this beautiful, I'm gonna move here forever. The last word he says is it sounds like procreate, like procreate or something. No, uh, I don't know. Okay. All right. Okay. So you got further than I did. Good job by you. Yeah. Um. So and Rachel draped all over Paolo's arm. Yes, immediately. 
again, she can't not know Ross's feelings. Bringing in Paula, rubbing up against them, just it's so cruel. Just, just, just tell Ross you're not interested if you're not interested. <laughs> but yeah, we're meant to believe she's totally clueless and just doing this harmlessly. Yeah, Ross uh, tries to give uh, Paula a pep talk and explain to him that he and Rachel are a thing, but not um, having the sex. even though right, they haven't had the sex. Um, but um, the, the message does not seem to translate, and Ross calls him a crap weasel. Um, back over at the ATM, Jill is trying to teach Chandler how to swing the pen around his head, but he has no ability to do this. The last candle burns out back at Monica's and the place goes black. They all do like these big creepy ghost laughs and Ross tops them all by doing the biggest one until suddenly the lights go back on and he's treated to a heartbreaking shot of Rachel and Paolo making out in the middle of the apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to make matters worse, Joey lets him know that he has committed him to making a surprise party for Monica. And we end back at the ATM where the lights are now back on. Chandler and Jill part ways and Chandler gets a kiss on the cheek. He hugs the door longingly as she walks away and then asks the tape uh, in the ATM uh, vestibule to please contact him and uh, give him the tape so that he can show it to all his friends. Mm-hmm. And that's our episode this week. Mm, yeah, we skipped over a couple things. Um, Monica, okay. what a yeah. mean sister when um, she encourages Rachel to go get Paolo. I thought that was very mean of Monica. Yeah, well, again, I just like I think in this episode, nobody knows that. I mean, Monica knows. Again, Monica and Ross share everything. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they do get they get an incredible amount of light from that one candle. Um, and I, I do like how Rachel and Paolo keep going strong as the lights turn on. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. they don't care. They don't care. Yeah. They're just putting on a show. Yeah. Very ambitious of them. Nice going, Abe. That was my other intro line, by the way. <laughs> I didn't want to insult Tyrion, though. So. Oh, yeah. He's my he's my best friend. Uh, who is the best friend in the episode? Um, I say the best friend is Joey. Um, he gives Ross the uh, friend zone speech that he needs, even if it like, ends up not working out. I think that was what he needed to be told. And even more importantly, he speaks Chandler. He talks Chandler. He understands Chandler. Yeah. Um, that's the best friend for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Chandler's inner monologue is just so hilarious. It's it's one of my favorite things of the show so far. Um, so, yeah, if anyone's getting the Emmy for this episode, I'd be giving it to Matthew Perry. I really love that. But my best friend has to be Jill Goodacre. She's real and she's spectacular. <laughs> um, and actually, her top is very reminiscent of what Terry Hatcher wears on Seinfeld. Oh. Um, but yeah, I, I never knew she was real until this, until this, uh, this watch this year in 2023. So, so excited to learn that they are real Jill Goodacre. Um, as you said, credited as Jill Connick, which, uh, not Jill Connick, that would be Jen's sister, which, which leads me to wonder, is she unmarried in the show because they call her Jill Goodacre, even though she at the time calls herself Jill Connick, um, or, or is the point being that they would still call her Jill Goodacre because that's how they would know her, even if she had. Yeah, because because right, because when she's modeling, she probably still goes under that name because yeah. that's like you might say that... Rebecca Romaine, even though it was Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Right, exactly. Courtney because... Cox Arquette will be a joke that a Friends episode gives everyone on the cast one episode. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, At, no, I, I, the first I, episode I, after she got married to David Arquette, um, they showed um, on when they showed the credits to that episode, it was Courtney Cox Arquette and everybody, David Schwimmer Arquette. Et cetera, et cetera. But does she Arquette. stay Arquette in the credits? Or no, she I think it was just that one episode. Just that yeah. one episode? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one other question while we're talking about my best friend, Jill. Is it just me or does she stare at Chandler expectantly as if he should ask her out? Only, if, uh, you know, only for him to blow it. Um, maybe she's expecting it. I can't imagine that she's actually uh, interested well, in this Well, if in the episode she is Jill Goodacre because there's no Harry Connick in the world of Friends. Right. And then then maybe so. Although or Harry kind of can exist, but she's still, you know, as you said, used to people hitting on her, even if, uh, you know, they're not. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, Chandler ends up in the friend zone as well. Mm, yeah. Too bad. Uh, too bad for Chandler, which means I guess he's canceled. You're a fucking asshole. That's what you are. Uh, who's the fucking asshole? Fucking asshole is Jamie Buckman for starring the blackout. Oh, wow. You're going cross uh, cross show. I like that. That's right. Um, yeah. To me, it's it's got to be Mr. Heckles trying to steal a cat. Like <laughs> that's 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 asshole. Basically. Yeah. What was his plan? He was just going to keep the cat and now take care of the cat. Like, <laughs> yeah, if you want a cat, you could have just got a cat in the first place. <laughs> right. Like, Why steal I feel like he hasn't thought that far ahead. Yeah. The, yeah. That's certainly the way that they present him. He's not he's not a man who's thinking too far ahead. Why it's dinner for six, five steaks and an eggplant for BB. Av, do you have five steaks and or an eggplant? 
Yeah, I got the eggplant. The eggplant's definitely going to Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he really just uh, comes out at the bottom of this episode, um, has it heartbroken. Um, I'm going to give one to Chandler for, you know, what he accomplishes in that uh, ATM uh, area. Um, two for Joey for being uh, great with Chandler and great with Ross. And I'm going to give two to Rachel for, you know, finally, you know, grabbing life by the horns a little bit uh, out on her own. And she's just, you know, doing what she wants to do. She doesn't care if she doesn't speak English. Uh, she's going to have a good time. Okay. I will give my eggplant as well to Ross. Blows the opportunity after opportunity after opportunity with Rachel, practically forcing her to go find Paolo. So Ross gets an eggplant. Monica and Joey, they don't really do anything this episode, I thought. So nada for me, for them, even though Joey was your best friend. Um, Phoebe, she got her first gig at Central Park, even if it was cut short. And so um, I give her a steak uh, cooked uh, very, very, very rare, uh, just the way she wouldn't like it. Uh, but uh, you t- put, take it off the, the grill after 30 seconds. Sorry, there's no energy. Can't. Uh, we're only using uh, electric grills here. Uh, Chandler. Somehow moves on from incredibly beautiful Aurora to a literal Victoria's Secret model. That's a steak. Um, hilarious all episode long. I said I love the inner monologue. That's another steak. So that's two steaks for Chandler, who's running away with steaks in my account so far. And then Rachel, look, if we're crediting Chandler, all he got from Jill was a peck on the cheek. And if we're giving him a steak for that, then we got to give Rachel at least one steak, right? She got a whole, I mean, you know, if a peck is worth one, then... Uh, a kiss that appears French, even if it's from an Italian, that's got to be worth at least two, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Italian French kiss, two stakes for Rachel for that one. All right. I like it. Now we... So I think Alan <laughs> will become the yardstick against which all future boyfriends will be measured. I don't know if Paolo, you know, Paolo doesn't even speak the language, so he's definitely sub Alan, I would say. And um, uh, does Jill count as a date? I don't think so. No, because, no, uh, it no. was purely. It was not. It was. It was not. It was purely platonic from her perspective. Yeah, no. I and honestly, I think we should, we need to limit it to like relationship even. Okay. Um, I don't want it to because I feel like if we include everyone that everyone like kisses, like it's gonna be an endless. Well, list, I guess let's yeah. see. Um, I mean, it's gonna yeah. be an endless list anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for sure. I mean, Paolo. Um, spoiler alert: it will recur. Um, yes. but for now, he's certainly below Alan. Um, he doesn't even speak English. Yeah. Yeah. But he is. I know, very, sense. very, uh, you know, American uh, central of me. Okay. Yes. But, um, you know, yeah. this is for me. This is for me. So I want someone who can speak English. Yeah. Who's he? He's somebody. What about me? You're nobody. Why him? Why not me? He's good. You're not. Where's Richard? Your boyfriend is so cool. Really? Yeah, he let us drive his Jaguar. Joy for 12 blocks, me for 15. Wow. <laughs> he must like you the best. Uh, we already talked about the yeah, the Tom Selleck Club. Jill Goodacre, first person to play herself. We will track that. I think we can go to the postman. We can. We can. Postman! Uh, postman! Uh, come here! here Tell the neighborhood! I guess there was some screw-up at the damn post office. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the U.S. post office? No, more like U.S. lost office. <laughs> what are they, Irish? Ashanda! Maybe you should have given me some candy. You're a lousy Jew! We have a couple new emailers this week. First Ooh, up is someone named Mediocre Fully Clothed Guy. Oh, I feel like that represents a lot of us, but you took the name first, so good job by you. Yes, uh, Mediocre Fully Clothed Guy says that he wants to add as a possible addition to the Postman Sound Drops a clip from Season 7, Episode 20, where Monica and Joey are having a conversation where I don't know who says what. Um, I, let's say Monica says first, blame it on the post office. They hate the post office and the Irish, but I don't think you can blame it on them. To which Joey or Monica, depending on who spoke first, responds, I guess there was some screw up at the damn post office. Yeah, yeah, the U.S. post office? No, more like the U.S. lost office. Mm, I love it. Um, I've, I've been waiting until we got a Postman reference on Friends <laughs> to update it, but if now that you've uh, highlighted it for me, I will. Um, we can add it right away. Why? Why wait any longer? In fact, okay. we can add it in this very episode. Very good. Okay. Um, I still think we should have postman, postman tell the neighborhood. We don't need to have the whole thing. Maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. You'll I'll figure, figure it out. out. But yeah, yeah, I think we, we you know we're still going to call it the postman. I think. Yes, right. Or or right. we or should we say? Do we have any letters from the lost office? Mm. I do like postman, uh, but we can. We I think we could combine. 
Um, as a millennial from the suburbs, my only context for the word vestibule is entirely this episode of Friends. How much was ATM vestibule actually thrown around in 1994? I kind of agree. I don't think anybody actually calls it that other than this episode of Friends. Um, I've certainly never heard anyone else refer to that um, unless they were probably referencing Friends. Aside from the weird name, why in the world would it lock from the inside? Um, I think that's just because of the it's lock. It's just locked, period. Right. It only unlocks when you put your card in, but that doesn't work. Well, from the inside, you should be able to just get out, right? Yeah, it should just be a push bar, I guess. Yeah. Um, and also, if there's some kind of emergency um, backup that allows you to have the light in there, then maybe it should allow you to exit also, probably. Yeah. It might yeah. be fake. It might just be a TV show. Um, would Chandler have any case in suing his bank for this incident? Well, I don't think he has any damages. Um, he has I mean, if he, of damages. He has gains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he, he had has, died yeah. from choking, yeah. maybe. Should there be an ongoing pod ranking for Phoebe's songs throughout the series? Mm, I like that. Okay, fine. Okay. Smelly Cat, uh, above or below? Is Smelly Cat replacement level? Right, well, Smelly Cat is so bad, but is is funny and famous, and so becomes good in that respect. Right. Okay. So Phoebe, Phoebe songs. Okay. Song. New York City has no power. It's kind of funny when like she writes it and then she's like she's like oh that's that's good and she like writes it down she yeah. like writes it down yeah um, episode season one episode seven okay um, I guess let's uh, let's see where it goes we'll we'll start tracking them and then we'll figure out what the replacement level is okay I like it um, he says New York City has no power is a banger and one of my personal favorites mm. and he gives the episode four moves. Okay, our next new writer inner is the aforementioned Amir Benarch. Oh, nice. Who says, hey, guys, great job so far. First off, I give this episode a 3.5, my highest rating yet. I thought it was a strong episode for five characters, particularly some of the Phoebe humor, but it takes a hit for specifically separating Chandler from the group and making his storyline both odd and dull. It feels odd like it dropped the ball a bit there. Wow. Yeah, I disagree. Um, a few notes. I wasn't sure if Emerson Bank was some old bank I forgot about and then got rolled into Apple Bank or became part mm-hmm. of KP Morgan Chase Emerson or something. I couldn't find anything really online, Chemical. so I'm guessing it's a nod to Emerson alum Kevin Brights. Oh, that could oh, be. Oh, interesting. Not a great question for you two, but do non-Sabbath observing people actually have that many candles lying around? So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> asked and answered. Um, yeah. It's an absurd amount they happen to have on hand. I still, I, th- I think it's still too much, even with your explanation. Yeah. Uh, Joey tells Ross that Rachel has no idea what he's thinking. I'm continually confused why the show co- continues to ignore Ross telling her exactly that. In the early <laughs> yeah. episode. Yes. Right. Yes. And the, in the first episode, he literally asks her out. Right? Yeah. Like, um, and like, so it's like episode one, episode five and episode seven. He's like very much like laying it on pretty thick that he likes her. Yeah. Very um, unclear what's going on here. Oh yeah. Um, he also gives us our, his, uh, back episode rankings. Um, uh, 2.2, 2.4, 2.8, 2.2, 3, 3.2, and then 3.5 for this episode. Also, I've never fallen asleep watching TV or movies in my life. <laughs> Why are you just sending in false postmen? Yeah. Now, this whole, his whole, I don't even know these ratings are real. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Elizabeth Berry says, hey, pretty, pretty good friends. Oh, too many pretties. Notes from last episode. On the date, Monica mentions how the underdog balloon got away, but that doesn't happen for a few more episodes in the one where underdog gets away. I noticed that also, and Ooh. I'm very confused mm-hmm. because I, 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 that was another time when I went and I looked to see like the order when they were filmed, and there's nothing to suggest that these were filmed out, out of order. So I'm, it's, it's all very confusing. I guess wow. they just – maybe just like they got confused in the writer's room or something. Um, is it a vestibule, atrium, foyer, lobby? Moo points, 3.2. Overall, good episode, but nothing crazy, funny, or life-changing. The best friend is Jill Goodacre for offering her gum and saving Chandler's life when he chokes on said gum. The asshole, no one was really that bad. Maybe the New York power grid for putting the city into a massive blackout. Um, well, no, we know who's Baltimore. Yeah, it was Jamie yeah. Buckman. Yeah. Um, for the stakes, split one between Chandler and Joey for their excellent communication skills on the phone. One to Phoebe for her musical talents. One for Joey for giving good advice to Ross. Two to Rachel for getting the hot guy. And for the eggplant, Ross for not communicating his wants and missing his opportunity with Rachel and getting attacked by a stray cat. Yeah, all deserved, sadly. Alex Orvitz says, 3.9 moves. I liked it, but the Chandler storyline got a bit annoying. Come with Gaius Paolo. One staked for Rachel for getting a new guy. Five for Joey. I just remember liking him a lot in this episode. Um, okay. 
we turn to Beat Rose. Beat Rose says, I'm sure Alex talked about how the Hanukkah that was actually a seven candle menorah that no Jewish roommate of Chandler would have. Yeah, Shame, shamely missed it. Bob <laughs> was there. Unless the he only celebrated six days of Hanukkah. Uh, which is an interesting uh, strategy. He has a blackout story. When I was in first year of university, there was a school-wide blackout one night. Power went off around 1 a.m. on a Tuesday night. And so, of course, a group of 10 of us who lived on my floor decided that we should stay up and drink because the power is out. Of course. It yeah. stayed out until about 5 a.m. and obviously had no impact on having classes the next day. Um, oh, they still had class the next day? Yeah, because why wouldn't they? Because when class started, the power was back. Oh, the power came back. Oh, okay, he said it came back it. at five. So like, oh, AM, AM. Yeah, yeah. Right. See, the teachers yeah. were like, oh, well, we assume you all stayed up all night getting drunk. So class is canceled. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair. Um, for the stakes, he gave two to Joey for helping out with the menorah, translating Chandler and wingmanning for Ross. Chandler gets two for having a great blackout, and Rachel gets one. Lots of options with Ross and Paolo. I finally get some passion beyond the bottom of the bed. The eggplant goes to Ross. Rough episode for him, attacked by the cat. Rachel is oblivious or pretending to be oblivious about him. I prefer Paolo, who doesn't even speak English. The best friend is Joey for helping out Ross and understanding Chandler, and the asshole is Phoebe. Might not be her fault, but my sister always complains about being the last to know things, and it was ridiculous and not true. We even see in the episode where Phoebe's example of being the last to know wasn't true. Mm -hmm. um, so sounds so like the asshole claim to be is, last uh, are usually lying. Yeah, beat Rose's like, sister. Is yeah, yeah, beat sister. Sorry. Um, uh, points is 3.8. Not surprised this one landed better for me, might have been the gimmick or something, but my number one episode so far. Wow. Kind of hard for me to judge how high to go and how much room to leave for future seasons. I had a similar problem, um, and may have uh under underscored by a little bit, but we'll uh, we'll get there when we get to our ratings. Um, which you may have noticed we haven't done yet. We usually have done them, mm -hmm. we save them for the end. Yeah, um, okay, Jim Crumley, the one the block with the blackhead is much funnier than the previous several episodes, despite the Chandler plot being cringe inducing. 3.8 moves. The fucking asshole is Paolo, loses his cat in the blackout. What a doofus. Come with gal is Jill. She didn't call the cops on creepy Chandler. Um, although she does like call a friend and like make it like very clear, like I'm with a guy, like she's yeah. like, she knows what she's doing. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she's saying it out loud. So that he'll, yeah, yeah. So like she, right. Exactly. Um, because Chandler's super creepy. Um, yeah. Ross gets the eggplant. He was too slow to ask Rachel out, missing his chance. Not the first or last time that this show was going to slow play their relationship. Two stakes to Rachel. She kisses the cute guy and avoids Ross for a while. Uh, <laughs> one stake to Joey. He keeps Ross's plan secret for a bit and gets a party going for Monica. Phoebe gets a steak for some excellent guitar work, and Chandler gets a steak from getting a, for getting a kiss from Jill despite himself. Okay, we have an email from Zach Brooks who says, definitely the funniest one yet, although I didn't find myself laughing that hard in most of the stuff the live studio audience did. For example, the cat attack. Steak for Rabbi Tribbiani and his full eight nights of Hanukkah. Steak for Phoebe because she made up that catchy song. I knew she was a vegetarian, but didn't realize she avoided dairy too, as you would both when ha as you would as you both would when having a steak. Yeah, so she's uh, a vegan. Yeah, although she stays away from doesn't mean that she's strictly vegan. Maybe she just uh, avoids it, like yeah, yeah. She minimizes it. Steak for the debut of Mister Heckles and eggplant for Sad Sack Eller, and he gives the episode four moose. Mm. Yeah, and finally we turn to Olin Allen. Who says this episode was part of NBC's infamous theme night of a blackout in New York? Friends mad about you and one season Dabney Coleman wonder madman of the people went along with it. But as, as you can imagine with Larry David's reaction when he was instructed to fit in with his big televisual nights. Instead, we had George eating eclairs and Jerry being told that he was no comedian with perfect functioning electricity. Anyway, the episode was good, but nothing spectacular. I remembered Paolo. All right. Although minor spoiler alert for Alex. O. It was more for interactions with another friend in subsequent episodes. I think my biases are hopefully starting to show. Matthew Perry in our monologue. Reaction faces are always quite fun. Three stakes to Rachel. A big surprise for me being big on Rachel, but blowing off Ross for the far more gorgeous fun Paolo, who despite his lack of English is still a far more fun, invigorating conversationalist. Oh, than for Ross. sure. Yes. yes. Um, two stakes to Joey for picking up the vibes and helping set up Ross. The eggplant goes to Ross, the twerp head who can't seize the moment presented. Best friend is the cat for breaking up the Ross racial dynamic for at least a bit more and being Boy, so endearing. Ross is just taking nonstop L's here. <laughs> like he gets eggplants from everybody every week. Um, and the fucking and the fucking asshole is Ross, whimpering, <laughs> self-pitying, cowardly Ross. <laughs> and Owen gives the episode three point two moves. This is all a moo point. Huh? A moo point? <laughs> Yeah, it's Moo. 
I gave the, the East German laundry detergent 4.2. And this is much, much better than that. So I'm going to have to say 4.85 move wow. points for me. Um, I reserve the right to adjust it later if necessary. But to me, this is like just about as perfect as, as an episode can get. And I'm surprised by a couple of people who don't like the Chandler parts. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm high on this episode as well. It's also definitely my um, clear number one, far and away. Um, I'm not going to go quite as high as you with the numbering. Um, I'm going to put it in as a four point four. Um, like I, I think it was Beat Rose who said, like I kind of feel like I want to leave a little more padding there for okay. the future. Yeah, um, that's fair. But um, I think, yeah, clearly the number one um, so far. The audience uh, gave it a 3.68. You with the 4.85, me with the 4.4. It is your number one. It is my number one. It is the overall number one. And it is the audience number one. So across the board, number one so far, everyone agrees, um, except for the minor detractors who, uh, even though the truth is the lowest score anyone gave it here, I see is, uh, I think, 3.2. Yeah. So, you know, no one was like down on this episode. It's just more like some people don't think it's great the way. And as we said, the Internet rankings has this as a top 10 all time episode. So it makes sense that we all like it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the rankings are they're all like consistently very high. Is there any any outliers knock this episode down? Well, there's a couple there's a couple lists. Some of these lists don't go rank every episode. They only rank the top, you know, X number. Okay. And um, uh, Cosmo ranks the top 50 doesn't rank this one at all. So it's outside of that. Excuse okay. me, Cosmo breaks the top 100. Wow, it's in, outside the top 100 for Cosmo. Um, that's a surprise. And then, um, yeah, two of the other rankings also don't rank it at all. So, But everybody who ranks it has it, um, you know, in the top 30. In fact, the lowest ranking is, I see, 26 out of over 200. That's the lowest ranking. Wow. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I... So, I but, but again, it's killed I, because three rankings don't rank it at all, and so I rank those as, you know, bottom rankings, basically. Yeah, I mean, and through, you know, through seven episodes, I think what, like, I very clearly feel so far is that, like, Friends it works much better when it's playing into the vibes more than the plot. Like, when they're just, like, hanging out and, like, talking about nonsense, the show is excellent. Um, it's really the, you know, the, the will they, won't they stuff, some of the plot. But I stuff. think contrary to what you're saying, at least based on the internet rankings, most of the highest ranked episodes are all very plot heavy. Yeah, probably. Cause that's when yeah. like the big, that's what you happen. remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you remember. People breaking up, getting married. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but you know, I've definitely just enjoyed the, the friends hanging out scenes the most that we've seen so mm-hmm. far. All right. Don't you hate to be continued on TV? I mean, the whole reason you watch a TV show is because it ends. If I wanted a long, boring story with no point to it, I have my life. <laughs> well, next week, we will get the one where Nana dies twice. So hopefully we'll have good vibes, but we're going to have uh, some plot, uh, at least uh, the, our first death on on Friends, and then it'll happen and, twice. And our right? second death. Yes, first and second deaths, Nana. Bad news for Ross and uh, Monica. Uh, not not Bubby, by the way. They uh, they don't want to be too Jewish here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our, our Nanas have all died uh, twice, I think, uh, both of them, right? Each once, but yeah. yeah yes. We, a total of one per person, but two <laughs> per each of us. Yes. To my knowledge. Yeah. Uh, we each had exactly two Nanas, right? I only had two. Yeah, some people have more, some people have less. Hopefully, uh, we'll both be alive twice, and then we can have podcast next week. Obviously, sounds wonderful. Get a life, Jews.